Good evening and welcome to this Bible study. It's a spirit and life Bible study, as a matter of fact. My name is Jonathan, our reader is Cara tonight, and our topic is to cleanse the lepers. We're continuing a series about why Jesus came into this world. And I've really been thinking to myself, what is it with Scripture? You know, what more uplifting in evening could I invite you to than a lengthy discussion of leprosy? Uh, what is it with Scripture? It just gets into the most disgusting things and, and uh, just wades right in there. And yet there is something uplifting about this topic. There's not as much physical leprosy in our world, and I hope to talk a little bit about you know, what they think leprosy was back then and so on. It's, it's still with us, but it's not as bad as it was, and it's curable now and so on. But is there a spiritual leprosy that Jesus was concerned with and that he came into this world to heal? And um, another little subtopic, just as a little hook to reel you in, hopefully, is that it's very interesting that when Scripture is talking about healing leprosy, it never uses that expression. It never says healing leprosy. It always says cleansing it. Why is that the leprosy verb? You know, why do, why is it cleansing that needs to be done to leprosy as opposed to other forms of healing. So if you care to join us for that exciting adventure, please do. Good friends, let's open with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We gather together in your name, Lord, praying for understanding of your word. You are the word made flesh. Please open up its pages to us so that we may understand your message and appreciate who you are. Amen. Thank you, friends. Sending out love to those of you who are online and those who are on the phone getting the audio and so on. Very nice to be with you again. And uh, cleansing the lepers. Let's start a little bit with uh, there's something today that's called leprosy that's also known as Hansen's disease which was named a century or two ago, uh, which is a very slow-moving but severely disfiguring bacterial affliction that gets into your nerves and into your skin and, and uh, causes all sorts of nasty things and you lose your feeling and so on. It is not clear to scholars whether what's discussed in the Old and New Testaments is that thing, is Hansen's disease. It's not clear whether that was it or not. But the emphasis in Scripture is not on having no nerves or whatever. The, the main thing that leprosy means is that on, on humans, it's having wounds. It's having open wounds, and it describes, as you'll hear in great detail, about scabs and what color hair comes through the wound and all this kind of lovely stuff. Uh, so it's... And the, the Greek word... For it, it has to do with something scaly or scabby, that kind of thing, so something disfiguring the skin. Um, however, in Old Testament times, it was also popular to get leprosy in your garments, your kitchen utensils, and your houses. This has gone seriously out of style these days, uh, but this is something, it was some sort of staining uh, and we don't really know what they're talking about. But it was interesting that you could also have leprosy in your house, and there was extensive discussion in the Old Testament about how to heal it. Jesus in the New Testament is healing leprosy. Uh, what does this mean? Is it just about getting rid of a no longer tremendously popular disease and curable disease, or is it about something deeper than that? Let's go into the New Testament, shall we? We'll start in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 8, which is a passage we've read a lot recently, because as I say, we've been looking at what Jesus, um, <coughs> what he was doing in this world. Why did he come into this world? What was the purpose of his coming? And we've had a series of uh, seven or eight of these so far. And we'll have a few more. A look at, uh, here's where he sends out his 12 disciples, actually, in chapter 10. And let's. Look at verses 7 and 8 there. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. 
Cleanse the lepers. Cleanse the lepers. And why wouldn't it be heal the lepers? Why wouldn't it be heal the sick and the lepers? Why, why are lepers separated out as, a, as their own category? Why do they get their own verb? And why is that cleansing? Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Raise the dead is number three. Cast out demons. Cast out demons is number four. You would have thought that you'd save raise the dead for the last because it seems the, the most amazing, but it's number three. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, go on. Freely you have received, freely give. Yes, so these were instructions that the Lord was giving to his disciples to do this work of cleansing the lepers, and we'll see in some other miracles that the Lord himself did that, uh, did cleansed lepers. And it's quite, as far as I could find in Scripture, it's very consistent that it talks about it as cleansing. So what is going on here? Well, let's turn to the archetypal source on leprosy, the book of Leviticus. It's three from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I want to go to chapter 13, where you have a lengthy description about what you were supposed to do about leprosy. And the priests were charged to look at it in certain ways. And notice how often the word clean and unclean comes up in here. Let's just start at the beginning of Leviticus 13. It's long. Yes, it is. Okay. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. So right there you have the idea of discoloration, right? Swelling um, and sores. Go on. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. Ah, you see, you can, you can sort of see down. It's not just superficial. It's down in the flesh, okay? Uh, it is a leprous sore. Mm. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. Ah, very important. We've already got an answer, have we not? That uh, the leprosy was considered to be unclean, and therefore the way you fix it is it has to be cleansed. That's one of the fundamental things about leprosy is that it equals uncleanness. So when the priest detects these signs of leprosy, he has to pronounce them unclean. Now, this doesn't mean uh, that he was in some way physically unclean or something. People refer to it as ceremonially unclean. There was a category of cleanness and uncleanness. And for other people, if you got near someone who had this leprosy or heaven forbid that you touched them or something like that, you would be ceremonially unclean. You'd have to wash in a certain way. You'd have to do certain things with your clothes and wait till you went back into your tent and, and all this uh, because the, the cleanliness was, was very important, the ceremonial cleanliness. Go on. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, uh -huh. and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore Seven days. Seven days. Seven days doesn't have meaning, does it, in Scripture? Seven, the idea of seven? Interesting. Seven days. That comes up a lot in Scripture, doesn't it? And so you'd be isolated for seven days, okay? And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. The seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin... Then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. It just is very logical in a way, isn't it? It's a wonderful sort of thing. Go on. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. Like if it got worse, that would be a matter of concern. But if it's just the same, it's not getting better, but it's not getting worse. Okay, then what does he do? Give him another seven days. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Clean. Oh, he's clean. They didn't have to even have to do anything to get clean. Just time took care of it, and now he's clean. Okay. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Okay. But if the scab should be at all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. Uh-huh. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is leprosy. It is leprosy. Okay. 
When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in mm. the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. Yes, so you can be isolated. unclean but not have to be isolated if it's kind of a pre-existing condition, as you might say. You know, it's, a, it's an old leprosy, but... And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore, from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. Oh, it has all turned white. He is clean. Wow. So it's like it ran its entire course and there's nothing else that could happen. Right? Hmm. But. But when the raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Yes. And let's just do two more verses there. Oh. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. He is clean. Mm. So being pronounced clean and being clean are the same thing. You need a priest to tell you uh, what's going on there. And then you'll see that the, the text is quite repetitious about other kinds of conditions there. Uh, different colors in verse 24 there. Uh, but the same kind of thing. If there's a hair in it and what color is the hair and all that. Um, all kinds of different things. And seven days, you see in verse 31 and 32, same kind of thing. You have to be uh, put away for seven days. And look at verse 33. What What is he supposed to do? This is if, if someone had it in their beard, I think, right? In the hair or the beard. Yes, go on. He shall shave himself, but the scale he shall not shave. Aha, uh -huh. so if you have a spot, then cut off the rest of the hair, but don't shave that particular spot. Um, the scale he shall not shave, and the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. Mm. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed, if the scale has not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the scale has spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. Oh, that's enough of a sign all by itself. Go on. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill and there is black hair grown up in it. Ah, black hair. The scale has healed. We like black hair. He is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Okay, that's good. And you see it goes on even farther from there and says various things. And then look at this. Um, look at, let's start at verse 43. We'll just jump in here. Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, as the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. Unclean. The Have we heard clean and unclean a few times already mm -hmm. tonight? Yes. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. And then what do you have to do in verse 45? Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. How bizarre. But that's what you're supposed to do. There were three things you're supposed to do. You have to tear your clothes so people can see... Your clothes are torn. Well, four things, right? But you have to tear your clothes. Then your head is bare. And then you have to cover your mustache or your upper lip, it says in the Old King James. Very strange thing. And most importantly, I think, when you're walking around, you have to warn people. What a joy that would be, wouldn't it? To walk around everywhere you go in your life and just go, unclean, unclean and have to tell everybody, I'm unclean, 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 and, and shout that out so nobody's caught, you know, unawares or something like that. Go on. 
He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. Mm. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. Oh, you have to dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Oh, you have to be outside the camp too. So you have to live alone, be outside the camp. This is, you know, the idea of leper colonies and so forth, because it used to be seen as a more contagious thing, at least if it was Hansen's disease, uh, used to be considered more contagious. So you have to go live by yourself, be outside the camp, and that's where you have to live. And then it goes on to talk about having leprosy in your garment and what that will look like and uh, so on and so forth. And then uh, let's just go to chapter 14 there. And it tells about what you do when you get cleansed. Like once it's done, you're supposed to go to the priest and the priest is supposed to do certain things. There's sort of a ceremony that establishes the fact that you're clean again. And look at what he does. Uh, let's pick up at verse 4 there. Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar mm. wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Mm. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. So amazingly specific, yes, okay. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood. And the living bird, yep. In the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. So one bird is killed and its blood is in there, and then the other living bird is dipped in that. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. Isn't the scripture amazing? And you release the living bird. It just goes after, after this cleansing. And then what? But you're not done yet. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair. And wow. Okay. Just, it's starting over again, isn't it? Like uh, wash your clothes shave off all your hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean after that he shall come into the camp and, and shall, but and, there's still one more step and shall stay outside his tent seven days oh stay outside of his tent for seven days so then you're allowed back into the camp but not into your own tent it's very elaborate and specific isn't it and then what but on the seventh day he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows his eyebrows okay all his hair he shall shave off he shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. That's right. And then on that eighth day, he makes a, a, an offering there. Uh, that's right. And there's another sort of uh, offering here. Look at what has to happen in verse 14 there. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip Three of Three places. On the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. Okay, so blood is placed on the tip, uh, the lobe of your right ear kind of thing. On the thumb of his right hand. The thumb of your right hand. And on the big toe of his right foot. And the big toe of your right foot. Those three specific, not the left. Don't get it wrong. Don't mix up your left and right. It's got to be the right. It's got to be the right ear lobe, the right thumb, and your right big toe. That's where that blood has to go. And then there's various other things, and he sprinkles him again, and so on, and, um, and pours uh, oil on him, and pours oil over his head, and the priest makes an atonement in verse 18 for him before the Lord, and then he shall be clean. So one thing to notice here is that the whole idea of uncleanness and cleanness and isn't the whole story if you stand way back and sort of unfocus your eyes isn't it a story about how to come back like what is the way back okay you ended up in this situation isn't it partly about how to diagnose where you are what's going on and then what is the pathway back what do you have to do to get over your leprosy how do you get clean again when you've been unclean isn't there a sense in the human spirit that once you're unclean it's like that's it Rest of your life, you're going to be walking around saying, unclean, unclean about yourself. Uh, but no, there's a way back. There's certain things that you have to do when you get seen by the priest. You make the offering. You get the blood and, and all that stuff. You shave and then you go back in the camp, but you wait outside your tent. Then you shave again, wash your clothes. You go, you know, it's all this, all this cleansing. And uh, something that I want to say about that right now uh, 
Let me write some things on the board here. Uh, so what do we have? We have hair is an issue and shaving. We have clothing that needs to be uh, washed. There's a covering of the lip, right? You're supposed to have a covering over your lip. There are things you're supposed to say. When you're walking around, you have to say unclean. There's blood of a bird that's supposed to go on the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Now, it is worth saying that to people who like, you know, Monty Python and so, so forth, this is the kind of thing that is so easy to make fun of in Scripture. Like, it's just hilarious. You know, it's so ridiculous and absurd and so on. And so it causes some people to just dismiss Scripture because how, like, oh, oh hope you don't miss my toe. You know, that'll really make me better. Uh, but when you start to see what the meaning of it is, you start to see some beauty behind it. And one thing that's interesting about all these things to me, and I don't know if I got them all, is that they all, again, uh, those of you who are getting the audio, I used my blue pen for this because uh, in this class I'm often dividing between the side of love and the side of truth. And all these different correspondences fall into one category. They have to do with the heart or they have to do with the mind. Heart being red, having to do with love, and the mind being blue, having to do with thought, and so on. And all of these things have to do with the side of truth. These are not love things. These are not heart things. And a lot of them have to do with Scripture. Are you aware, good friends, some of you who've looked into correspondence and so forth will know that this image of God that's given in Revelation chapter 1 has this amazing hair, and his hair means the literal sense of Scripture. That's what that means. Uh, you may be aware that there was this law of the Nazarite. There were Nazarites that are talked about in Numbers chapter 6, and they had to let their hair grow and never let... Samson was one of those. The way Delilah got him was she got him to cut his hair. You know, uh, that's how she conquered his strength. The hair is a picture of the literal sense of Scripture. Clothing is a picture of the literal sense of Scripture. It, it's, you know, when you see the transfiguration, the clothing is shining like light. That's like the literal sense of Scripture. Covering of the lip, isn't that talking about speaking? The lip and speaking and words, it doesn't have to do with truth and so on, saying that you're unclean. Blood has to do with truth. And what I think these three things are, I may not be remembering this quite right, but the earlobe, the ear has to do with whether you're hearing. Isn't hearing have to do with, with truth and a, a message going in and so on? That you need to put this truth. How you get clean is that you apply the truth of the literal sense of Scripture to your hearing, you know, and your willingness to take in a message, I hear and I obey kind of thing, that you're going to deploy in your life, to your thumb which in this case is your inner self. It has something to do with your power and your action and your inner self. You've got to change things about the way that your inner self is functioning. And I won't attempt to show you my big toe, but uh, the big toe would be your outer self. You know, the, the doing, you're walking, the way that you walk your life. You have to change the way that you live your life. You have to deploy truth, which is the blood of this bird. Bird has to do with truth. All of these things are images that have to do with truth. And even it's what, what colors, that hair and all that stuff. See, otherwise, it's just bizarre. You know, it's just so strange. But when you start to understand that all these things have to do with truth and specifically have to do with the truth of Scripture, some of this starts to make sense and what this cleaning is. So then we need to talk a little bit about what these sores are. Well, what would a sore be? Well, what, the way that Swedenborg explains leprosy and talks about these sores is that the sore, you, you, we are multi-level beings. We have these spirits and then we have this physical flesh. And what he talks about, what the sore corresponds to, is that if you have a lust, if you have an evil desire inside your spirit somewhere, the sore is like that thing manifesting in the outside of your life. 
I'm, I hope I'm not mixing this all up in your head. I'm not talking about the fact that you physically have physical sores or openings. And that's a picture in correspondences of the outside of your life. It's your skin, you know. It's the part that people can see that visibly your life falls into a state of chaos or disorder and people can see, oh yeah, there's an ooze, you know, there, there's something's going, you, you know, you got I think of, uh, I was thinking today about addictions and things like that, I think are things that might appear on the outside of your life. Other people can see that and there's something manifesting there. And there's a funny thing about sores, isn't it? Um, that they don't feel great, but they can have this weird little sort of itch in them or something like that. It's, I think it's quite a picture of what it's like to have this, this love of evil and this kind of, you know, and it's not right, and you know it's not right, but it's kind of, you want to play with it, fuss with it or something like that. I think it's a picture of these things manifesting. And what the leprosy corresponds to is a condition in which the teachings, teachings that have to do with truth, have, for whatever reason, failed to transform people in the area of the evils that afflict their lives. It's a picture of Scripture not being adequately applied to life so that you got this sore there and you shouldn't have it. You know, because you got the Word, you've got truth that could take care of that thing, but it's unclean. You've got an uncleanness because it hasn't been applied to your life. So there's some evil that's going on there. Now, what I love about this, when you look at it, I mean, some people think Leviticus is so crazy and it sounds condemnatory and awful and all this kind of stuff. I hear a lot of mercy in that story. It's not like, oh, you're unclean. You know, we'll kill you or throw you off the cliff or we'll just banish you from the camp. No, they're working to bring people back. What can we do for you? You're unclean. What can we do? Let's apply the truth. Let's get you some truth. See if we can get you a better quality of truth that will take care of some of those wounds so that you'll see, so that you'll be able, by using the truth in Scripture, the Lord is able to fix what's inside the wound, if you see what I mean. You know, the, the wound is a manifestation on the outside, whatever that evil is in your life. It's a manifestation of something you can't even reach, but the Lord can reach it. And so when we follow the repentance process, the Lord lays out in the Word then he can clean the inside. And then that thing is, is not just sort of papered over. It's not like, you know, just put a Band-Aid on it and hope for the best. Uh, the Lord can actually clean that from the inside. And uh, the being, having to go outside the camp is a picture of the fact that you're not in a heavenly state at that time, you know? You have to be separate. And then even when you come back in, seven days, it's always seven days. Isn't that a picture of regeneration? The seven days of creation and so on that you have to go through a process of coming back into the camp, but you're still not in your own tent. And then finally you're able to come back and be in your own tent because the priest said, you're clean, that's fine. And that all these different things in this chapter 13 that seem so bizarre are pictures of what it's like to have these evils in your life, evils that you just recently contracted. That's the leprosy when it first appears. Or evils you contracted, maybe if they're from your youth or something, you know? And they're leprosy from long ago, you know, that's still in there. Also, what is inward as opposed to outward? How deep is it? Does it look like it's all the way in there or is it just on the surface? You know, these are pictures about, about the kind of problems. It, does it seem curable or not? Does it respond? Uh, and so this is a picture of this kind of filthiness or uncleanness that comes from evils in our lives and evils that should be able to be taken care of by the truth. Now, when you get to the point where there's bad teachings, uh, like if someone tells you a bad teaching, like it doesn't matter how you live, you'll be saved by your faith, it really doesn't matter how you behave or what you do with your life. That's a bad teaching. That causes leprosy. We may not have a whole lot of, you know, Hansen's disease in, in the world anymore, but I submit that there is tons of spiritual leprosy still going on uh, uh, in us, all around us. Uh, there's lots of spiritual leprosy, and that's, what the, that's why it's still relevant. That's, that's what's so great to me about this way of reading Scripture, is that it sounds at first when you read it like something so bizarre from long ago and far away, but then, oh, it hits a little too close to home, 
you know, <laughs> when, it, when it comes in, you realize, oh, no, it's, it's talking about habits that I have or uh, things that haven't been fixed yet by, by the word in my life. Uh, let's go. Oh. All right. Uh, let's go actually to uh, Psalms in the middle of your Bible there. I want to go to Psalm 119, longest psalm in the book, but we'll just go at the beginning there. And I want to read verses 9 and 10. This just struck me in connection with this topic. How could a young man cleanse his way? What an important question. How can you cleanse your way? You know, the, 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 the life that you have and so on. How can a young man cleanse his way? What do you have to do? By taking heed according to your word. Oh, that's about the truth. That's about the truth making us clean from, this, from, this, from these evils that, that we get in our lives. And look at the next verse. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Mm, and that wandering makes me think of the blood on the toe, that when the truth is guiding your feet the way that you walk, when it's guiding your hands the way that you do, when, when you're hearing it and it's going into your spirit, uh, that's what that cleansing is. It sounds strange. There's birds and blood and running water and all this, but it's all about the truth fixing us. It's, it's very, very relevant and still much needed. Uh, go into the New Testament, if you will, good friends, to the Gospel of John. There's a very curious thing that Jesus says at one point that I've, I've just pondered a lot. And it came into a different focus in getting ready for this Bible study. In John 15, the famous discourse about the, Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. Let's read those first three verses there. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Prunes. And that word for pruning is related to a word for cleaning. Uh, go on. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Oh, wait, how did that happen? You're already clean. The Lord just saying something to you can make you cleaner? Wow! He says to the disciples, you're already clean because of the word that I said to you. That's amazing. That's the power of the truth, isn't it? And the Lord is the Word made flesh. It, what He's saying to people is having a cleansing effect. When we read the Word, if we're open to it, it can have a cleansing effect on us. It can take care of those things and, and, and clean us up. You're already clean because of the Word that I spoke to you. And let's go, good friends, into the epistles. Uh, go through Acts and through Romans and Corinthians. I want to get to the Ephesians. So it's Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I want to go to chapter 5 toward the end. And let's just read, it's a fascinating passage, but let's just read verses 25 to 27. Very interesting passage. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Hmm. that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Wow, that's a mouthful. What did you just say? So you said that Christ, so husbands love your wives the same way Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for it so that he might do what? Sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Washing of water by the word. Now, it would be understandable if you thought that was just talking about water baptism or something like that. But it didn't say that. It said the, the, the washing of water by the Word. It's that truth. It's the divine truth. And what will the result be of that cleansing that the Lord came to do? That He might present her to Himself a glorious church. A glorious church, yes. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Mm but that she should be holy and without blemish. Well, what is that talking about? That's surely talking about the way that we live our lives. Are our lives exemplary? Are there evils and so on? What does it mean about holy and without blemish? It means that to, to get beyond, to go through that repentance process and get beyond those evils of life 
And that is how the Lord, the Lord came into this world to heal the leprosy of the church, to heal the sores, uh, to, to, to make the church, uh, you know, with no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish, it'll be holy and so on. And look at what he says down in verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's right. So he's talking about husband and wife, but he says, look, he's pleading with the reader. I'm talking about a great mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church, that that's how Christ wants to fix up and heal the church. I think that's really awesome. Okay, so with that in mind, friends, let's see if we can determine any information from some of these uh, healing Oh, you know what I want to read? Uh, let's go back all the way back to the five books of Moses in the left. I want to go to the right of Leviticus, and you'll get to Numbers there. And first of all, I want to read Numbers 5, the first few verses there. Okay. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp Every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. Oh. You shall put out both male and female. Male and female. You shall put them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp. As the Lord spoke to Moses, so did the children, so the children of Israel did. That's right. So there's another passage about what you do with lepers. And look at chapter 12 here. There's, there are some famous stories about curing leprosy, and probably the most famous is Naaman the leper in, in Scripture. But uh, we don't talk quite as much about this one that involves Moses' own sister Miriam. Woo. Look at chapter 12, start at verse 1 there in Numbers. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Oh, now see, these are siblings. Hmm. These are siblings, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Miriam's the oldest. She took care of Moses when he was a little tiny child. Remember that? Moses and Miriam and Miriam and Aaron and Moses. And they spoke against him. Why did they speak against him? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Mm. Now listen to what they said. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? It's a typical sibling rivalry. You know, when your sibling is a, is a great revelator and one of the most epic leaders of, you know, the people, uh, of course, the other people get an attitude and they say, well, he hasn't only spoken. But I mean, we, we say good stuff too, right? I mean, has the Lord only spoken? You know, we're good too. Good. <laughs> and the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Yeah, it's funny, when you get all that thou shalt not, it doesn't seem so humble, but, but he's actually a very, very humble person. Go on. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, mm. Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Uh-huh. Then the Lord... Called on the carpet. Okay. <laughs> then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. But not Moses. Hmm. And they both went forward. Okay, they went forward. Okay. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Yes, if there's a prophet among you, this is how you can tell there's a prophet because they get visions, they get dreams and so on. Go on. Not so with my servant Moses. Oh, he is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. Face to face. I don't mess around with visions and little dreams and stuff. Moses is special. I talk to him face to face. Go even, on. even plainly and not in dark sayings. Yes, not in dark sayings. I tell him straight up. <laughs> Moses and I have a good relationship and I tell him exactly what I think. And he sees the form of the Lord. Mm. And when, and sorry, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Yes. Whew. You, you're bold, you know, just, oh, you know, who's Moses anyway, you know? And so they're called on the carpet. Go on. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he departed. Mm. 
And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous. Oh. As white as snow. Mm. Now wait, that, that seems sexist, I think, frankly. Why does Miriam become leprous and not Aaron? They were both standing right there. They were both called forward, and yet Miriam is leprous. Go on. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Ooh. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, mm. If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. Okay, that's sort of standard approach, right? So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. Yes, very important detail. Okay, so what is going on here? Well, what I think is going on, friends, and why this story has so many bizarre things in it. Why is Miriam leprous? Why do they speak? What a weird thing. They used to be such a close family. Now all of a sudden, she and Aaron are getting an attitude and speaking against Moses and uh and then she gets leprosy, but Aaron doesn't. And then she has to go outside the camp. But they wait to leave. They don't take off without her. They wait to leave until she's all better seven days later. And then she comes back in. And then you move on from there. Well, what I think is going on with this bizarre story is that Moses surely represents the literal sense of Scripture. Here we are again. And he is particularly, is he not, the Ten Commandments. Aaron means doctrine. He means teaching. So Moses is the thing itself, and then Aaron is teachings about Scripture and what it says. And Miriam, I believe, means the church. It's the people who receive it. Her name is similar to Mary and so on in, in the New Testament, who, who means the church. And so, Aaron doesn't get leprous because he means doctrine. But Miriam gets leprous because she means the church. And this is a picture of the church when the church and its teachings, Miriam and Aaron, speak against the Ten Commandments. They speak against Moses. Hard to fathom that that would ever happen. How astounding to think that there would ever be a time when Christianity would speak against the Ten Commandments. And yet here's Miriam and here's Aaron, both of them speaking against Moses and saying, oh, we've got plenty to say. You don't need to just listen to the old Ten Commandments. We can tell you a great thing about faith and how it'll save you and all that kind of fabulous stuff. You don't have to listen to old, 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 hard, old law Moses. You know, you don't have to listen to him. And so Miriam becomes leprous because when the church espouses a position that says that the Ten Commandments don't have to be obeyed, they're done away with, guess what? Evils break out in the church. The church becomes full of sores and has to go outside the camp. It's not even in a heavenly condition anymore for seven days, which is a full state. And it's a pleasant thing to think that at some point, Miriam is going to recover and then the church can finally move forward again from this ridiculous situation of speaking against the Ten Commandments because the Lord is face to face with the Ten Commandments. That is His law. He is His law. That's Him. And that's our way out of hell. So don't bother speaking against that. That's a bad move. And that will cause leprosy in the church. Does that make sense? All right, then. Let's move on, shall we? And uh, mm, Look at, uh, let's see, I want to go to the uh, oh, book of, oh, let's look at Deuteronomy. So just turn to the right and go to Deuteronomy. Let's go to chapter 24 in there. Shoot in here real quick. 24, uh, I don't have the right chapter, verses 8 and 9. Okay. Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy that you carefully observe and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you. Ah, you see? 
its teachings and the priests have to do with love. They mean, you would think they mean something about truth, but they have to do with love. But whatever love teaches you in that situation, that's what you should do. It's about teachings. That's what cures leprosy. Just as I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Following the commandments is how you get over leprosy. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt? Now look at that. Look at that. You see what I just said there? That's amazing. So it says, look, you, you know, if leprosy breaks out, you got to do all that the Lord commands you. Look at what happened to Miriam. Anyway, uh, I think that just supports what was just said. And uh, let's go to the book of Lamentations. All right, so roughly in the middle of your Bible headed towards the right, there's Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then squeezed between Jeremiah and Ezekiel is Lamentations. And I want to go to Lamentations chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, that's talking about the prophets. Hmm, the prophets and the sins of the prophets. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed in their midst the blood of of the just. Oh, okay. That's the yeah, that's sense. what they shed. They okay. shed in her midst the blood of the just. That's right. <laughs> they wandered blind in the streets. They have defiled themselves with blood so that no one would touch their garments. Yes, you can't touch the garments of the prophets. What is that talking about? It's talking about their physical clothing? No, it's talking about the, the truths that they're teaching are defiled. That you, you can't follow that teaching anymore. Go on. They cried out to them, Go away, unclean. Go away, go away, do not touch us. Listen to that. What's that unclean, unclean? Like they're saying that about the prophets. You're unclean, you're unclean. That's bad teaching. Evils will break out as a result of that. Go away, don't touch us. When they fled and wandered, those among the nations said, they shall no longer dwell here. That's right. Okay, we can stop there, but isn't that tremendous fun? It's just tremendous, tremendous fun. Okay, let's look at Matthew in the New Testament. Just a few more scriptures, good friends. Uh, Matthew 11. Uh, let's start at verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And here was Jesus' answer. Isn't that a great question? Like, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? In effect, and what does he say? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. Are cleansed, that's right. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I love that because what does that say? It says, are you the Messiah or should we look for somebody else? And he doesn't say... I am, or some people say I am, or any kind of intellectual answer. He just gets right to what's changing in people's lives, doesn't he? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, uh, which is a way of saying, yes, I am. You know, that's who I am. And so I wanted to cite that partly to show that this was part of his purpose in coming, that as part of the evidence that he is who he says he is. Now think about the fact that Jesus is the Word made flesh. So when Jesus heals and cleanses leprosy, it's a picture of the Word cleansing those evils in people uh, where the bad teaching resulted in the evils of life. Um, look at Mark chapter 1. We'll start at verse 40, shall we? The next gospel over from where you are. There's another beautiful little story. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. See, the leper himself is using the term of clean, unclean. You know, he needs to be clean and knows that the Lord can do it. Go on. Then Jesus moved with compassion 
stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, wait a second. He did what? He touched him. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not, not supposed to do that. Here, let's put our finger in here for a second. I want to turn back to Numbers chapter 6, because uh, this was the law of the Nazarite ship I was talking about a little bit ago with the hair and all that stuff. And one of the say, things it says back in Numbers chapter 6, a Nazarite was separate to the Lord. They were a special, holy sort of person. There were things they couldn't eat or drink and so on. And they couldn't take any razor to their head. And they have to be holy and let their hair grow. And look at verse 6 in Numbers chapter 6. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. Yes, and then it talks about if someone dies suddenly, what you have to do and everything. In other words, uh, it was very important for everyone to not become ceremonially unclean. If they did, there was a way back and so on, but you shouldn't, but especially the Nazarites. Now, the Lord was a Nazarite from his mother's womb, and he just did what? He, he, he out reached out, he stretched out his hand, and he touched the leper. Wow. And what did he say? He said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Mm. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now, wait a minute. How did he get cleansed? As soon as he did what? Had spoken. Spoken. It's the word. It's the truth. As soon as he's spoken... Boom, he said, now he touched him with his hand, but it was when he spoke that the leprosy left him. You've been made clean. You've already been made clean by the word that I've spoken to you, said Jesus to his disciples. Just his saying the word, say the word, and I will be clean. And he had compassion on him, didn't he? he had compassion on him, and he cured his leprosy. All right, let's just do one more story like this, shall we? Let's do Luke 17, so turn to the right. Interesting story that's only in Luke, I think. It's not in the other Gospels. 17, let's start at verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. Oh, well, we know what that's about. We just read all that. You're supposed to go to the priest. And then he checks and says, oh, no, you're fine. You're good. And then you do the thing. You offer the sacrifice and all that, right? And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Ah, now you know what I think that means? Isn't that interesting? With the other one, it was when Jesus spoke that they were cleansed. But in this one, he says something. And as they deployed it in their lives... And that's pretty cool. That's an act of faith. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. Now they're still all scabby and scaly and gross. But as they head towards the priest, boom, as they do what he says, then they like walk right out of the leprosy and they, they don't have that anymore. Cool. All right. Go on. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God <laughs> and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan? The Samaritans are the worst. They hated the Samaritans. That's why the, Jesus chose that story of the good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite didn't do anything. That's horrible Samaritan. And here you got it again. You get 10 lepers and this Samaritan comes back and says, thank you and glorifies God. What does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? <laughs> were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Faith. Faith is another sort of truth word. Your faith has made you whole. And uh, so, wait, wait, what happened? The other, you know, the other nine just skip up like... You know, don't even say thank you. It's just like, yay, you know. <laughs> and then one comes back and says, thank you, thank you so much. Again, I think this is a picture of the Lord. The fact that there are 10 of them, very striking. These 10 lepers, right? And the Lord heals them. And uh, 
the fact there are 10 of them make me think these are all different kinds of religious traditions, you know, and, and the Lord is healing them all from this, all, all these different kinds of religions. And our last reading tonight is actually back in, uh, in Matthew at the very end there, Matthew chapter 26, close to the end, not the later end. Matthew 26, just one little simple statement in Matthew 26, verse 6, that I found very striking. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. What? Simon the he leper. He went to the house. A leper was in a house. He went to the house of a leper. And what he does when he's in there, you know, can't remember if they have a meal, but the woman comes in and she's anointing him and all that stuff. He, a leper has a house. You know, you're supposed to be outside the camp. But he goes into that house. So some of you heard me uh, say things like this before. I, I don't tire of thinking how beautiful it is that with all, it, you know, if, he had, if Jesus had been a stickler, if he'd come into the world and just be, well, no, the law says, you know, I'm very sorry. I realize you have a problem. I can't, you know, you understand. I'll be unclean. I'll have to go. You know, I can't really touch you. I mean, you get it, right? I'm a Nazarite. I, I can't do that. Sorry. You know, he, he could have he stood on that whole tradition and everything. Uh, no, what is he doing? He's laying hands on them. Like, yes, I would gladly be unclean for you. I want to heal you. I want you to be well. And that's what he wants to do for everybody that's what this is all about. Why is the Old Testament go on for a couple of chapters in Leviticus all about how to cure leprosy in this very specific way? It's talking all about how to cure the situation where the truth got falsified and it led to evils of life, how to get rid of that. That's why it's called cleansing rather than healing. It's a separate category. And it was a major reason why the Lord came into the world. And what an amazing thing. I don't know if you want to Google images of leprosy. It, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty gross. Um, the idea that Jesus came into this world because he thought, I just want to touch those people. I can't keep my hands off them. I just want to touch them. I want to make them better. It's amazing. That divine love. And whatever the rules say, oh, it's clean, unclean, all this stuff. No, this is about love. It's about love and compassion coming forth in this truth, and this truth knows how to heal people. So that's why he can sometimes do it just with speaking, you know, speaking. And that's why the emphasis in the Old Testament was on the clothing and shaving and the hair and, and the blood and the bird and the running water and, and all that stuff. It all has to do with the way that the truth can cleanse us. That truth, the truth of the living God himself, is right here in the pages of this book when it's rightly divided, when you see what it's talking about, it becomes not bizarre and Monty Python-esque. It becomes very beautiful. It's a reflection of the divine love and what he wants to do for all of us. The human race has a, a spiritual leprosy issue. More people know the truth than deploy it in their lives and become clean. And so... The Lord wants to bring us to that point where we say to the Lord, you know, I, I'm, please, if you're willing, you can make me clean. When we realize the Lord has that power to cleanse us. He does it very quickly in these scriptures. In our lives, it's much more like that Old Testament process. Seven days, which is a whole state of this, and then another seven days, and then you check and see, and then another seven days, and so on. It takes a number of cycles to... Um, take care of that, but it is possible. Scripture is offering us a way back, far from, far from condemning the human race. It understands the evils that plague the human race. It has compassion on them, and just it, it, the Scripture wants to heal us. The Lord is present in Scripture and wanting to heal us. Isn't that the nicest thing ever, good friends? It's the nicest thing ever. Thank you. Could you join me in a closing prayer? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we ask that you in your role as a divine priest come close to us. Look at us, Lord. See those ways. See that uncleanness. 
See whether it runs deep or not. What is the cause of it? And help us to be healed. Help us to hear your word. Help us to do it with our hands and walk according to it with our feet, Lord. Help us deploy your truth in our lives that we may be clean and that we may help others. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends. It's what the Word is urging us to do, that we may be clean.